So we started looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, last week, um, seeing how those who follow Jesus are to have a character of righteousness that contrasts them with the world, um, both the religious and the, and the pagan uh, or the secular. So to kind of clarify um, some things from last week and then to refresh um, what we talked about, um, we talked about how we're supposed to be living by the spirit of the law, looked at the Beatitudes as the character for the Christian, the follower of Christ. Uh, we are to be salt and light in this world, pointing with our good works to God, giving glory to God. Uh, then we saw how Jesus raises the standard set out in the Ten Commandments. It's not just don't murder. It's, okay, don't be angry. Actually pursue peace. Um, so we saw six of those examples. Um, anytime we talk about law and righteousness, it can tend to turn performance-based. Anytime we hear righteousness or um, you know, obeying commands, it, it turns performance-based. Um, and we know um, and have to remember that our relationship with God is not based upon our performance. Our relationship with God is based solely upon Christ's finished work. So what we do does not affect our standing with God. Our performance does not change our standing before God. However, there should be good works that flow out of our relationship with God. Um, God is doing a work in us. We are progressively becoming more and more like Christ. So the actions of our life, the fruit that our life produces, should be good works, should be continually um, growing in godliness, growing in obedience to God. And this obedience is an overflow of a personal trusting relationship with God. Um, so when we see, or when we saw in Matthew 5, that um, we were called to a righteousness that actually surpassed that of the Pharisees or the religious leaders, um, a righteousness, um, this, this was because theirs was a surface-level righteousness. They had no deeper relationship with God. Um, and then at the end of chapter 5, I don't think we brought it up last week, but is the verse, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, now, this word perfect is used elsewhere in the New Testament to mean complete or whole, um, mature, without lack, um, be blameless. We know um, that we are not perfect, that we will not be perfect in this life. Perfection will come when we are glorified, uh, when we receive our, um, our new bodies. Um, so I talked about how this, um, this Sermon on the Mount is not unattainable. It is something that Christ sets out for us to follow with the expectation that we will and can. Um, but in saying that it was attainable or obtainable, something that we could do, I did not mean that we could do it perfectly, um, that we could do it completely. Um, this is something to be striving after, and it is only those who have God's Spirit within them who are able to do it at all. Um, for those who do not have God's Spirit in them, they cannot even, um, 
they are not able to meet one of these requirements. Uh, think of the verse, you know, we've, we've all stumbled. Um, we've all come short of the glory of God. Um, whoever breaks the law in one point breaks it in all. Um, apart from God, we cannot meet any of his demands. We cannot obey him um, even a little bit. Um, so it is only those who have trusted in Christ to save them, who have God's spirit in them, who enables them to obey. So because of the new birth, we talked about that, we are able to follow God in obedience. Um, and this um, is part of the spirit's fruit in our life. Um, so we will not perfectly live it out. We will never arrive at it and be like, look at, look at the life of this person. They are fully doing the Sermon on the Mount. They are a perfect follower of Christ. Everybody has their shortcomings. If you look at Paul, Paul realized the longer that Paul lived, the more sinful Paul saw himself, the more sin he realized he had, um, the further he realized he had to go. Even though from an, maybe an outside perspective, it would seem like Paul is getting so much closer. He's, he's um, bearing so much more fruit. Um, so as we follow Jesus, we are to have this character, we are to strive for this character, um, cultivate this character of righteousness that contrasts us with the world around us. Um, so starting in verse or in chapter six, um, working through chapter seven, just giving again a summary, kind of cursory view of of this Sermon on the Mount. Um, in chapter six, um, Jesus opens with, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. He has just told them, you're salt and light. You're supposed to be seen. You're supposed to be the seasoning, pointing people to God. And then he says, but wait, don't practice your righteousness in front of others. So how do we reconcile these two things? How are we supposed to be salt and light and also not supposed to practice our righteousness in front of others? Well, he goes on to um, explain what are kind of the three main religious acts, we could say, um, giving, prayer, and fasting. Um, and he, he brings out how the religious leaders of the day would practice these in front of other people to be seen by them. Their motivation in doing them was for people to see them, uh, for people to praise them and to say, oh, look how religious this person is. Look how, how good this person is following God. Look how strong of a walk they have with God. And Jesus is saying, don't practice your righteousness like that in front of other people to be seen by them. Um, these, we could call them acts of religion, religious acts, um, are between you and God alone. Um, when we pray uh, or when we give, we give to show thanks to God who gave to us. When we pray, we praise. We praise God. We confess our sin to God. We request things from God. Um, and when we fast, we, we deny ourselves, discipline ourselves, and humble ourselves before God. And the, the character of God that he brings out in chapter 6 is that God sees in secret. These are private acts of worship between you and God. And God sees in secret. God knows when we are praying with, to him. 
God knows what we need before we ask. Um, so these are not acts that we should be doing to be seen by people. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray in public. That doesn't mean um, you know, we don't take an offering here, but if we um, churches that do take an offering, that doesn't mean you should like hide the plate as you put your money in because you, know, you don't want other people to see. Um, these, are, these are acts that are done primarily um, between you and God. They're not done with the motive to be seen and admired by other people. So we are to live sincerely in God's presence, not with hypocrisy, as the religious leaders were doing. Um, so not outward only. Um, and this is where we get to really the heart of this righteousness um, that we are talking about. It's a personal walk or relationship with God that is overflowing into the rest of of our life. Um, a lot of times we hear that, okay, Christianity is not a religion. It's a, it's a relationship with Christ. Um, well, that's true. It's a relationship. But if we're going to talk about Christianity and classify it, it, it is technically a religion. Um, but the key is it's a relationship. Um, and the rules, we could call them the commands, in Christianity are based upon a relationship. These are not rules just set out like, okay, here's the ones you have to follow. These are rules that are based primarily on a relationship with Christ, with God through Christ. Um, and apart from this relationship, all we are doing is following rules. Um, only through the relationship do these rules actually take on what they should. Um, and obedience is what it should be. So key in this, in this whole sermon, in these three chapters, is this relationship with God, this personal trusting relationship with God. And we see this um, in the end of chapter 6 as well, the second half, um, where we um, move to what we could see as materialism. Um, if, our, if our nation had a national religion, it could very well be materialism. We are, um, we love our things. We love our money. We love the things money can buy. Um, especially, I think, of the state that we live in. Um, people like their nice things. They like many nice things. And it is very contagious. Um, it can be something that we don't realize how much we are drawn to it or how much um, our hearts are given over to it. Um, the things that we have, what we are actually seeking. Um, so Jesus is telling them, don't store up your treasure on earth, store your treasure in heaven. Um, this actually shows where your heart is. You cannot separate your treasure and your heart or what you desire. What you desire, what you truly treasure in your heart um, is where you're going to spend your time, is where you're going to spend your money. Um, these are physical um, examples of what we are actually treasuring within us, what actually holds value to us. And Jesus is saying, make that count um, for eternity. Um, he talks about what you're setting your eyes on. Um, the eyes or the, or the heart would be what affect the rest of the life. 
What are you setting before you? Or what are you, how are you actually interpreting the things around you? What you see or what you go through? Um, then he talks about in verses 24 to 25, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Uh, one of the commentators I read on this brought out that here in our country, we're used to employers. You can work two jobs. You can have two employers. You can work job A, and then you can go and work job B. Back in Jesus' day, you did not have employers. You had, you had a master. Slaves could not be a slave for one person and a slave for another person. You had one master. You could serve one person. Um, and a lot of times, we try to trick ourselves and think, okay, yes, Yes, I'll serve God, I'll serve God, and I'll also work for these other things over here. Um, but really, I'm serving God. These other things, I'm just, it's what he's given me to do. Um, and we cannot serve both God and our other desires. Um, we must be 100% devoted to God. And this actually shows, it bears the fruit of an unworried life. And this is in huge contrast with the world. We live in uncertain times. People are like, what's the economy going to do? Um, is the recession coming? When is it coming? What will it be? How, ba how bad will it be? Uh, we live in very uncertain times. The world around us is very worried, very anxious about all kinds of things. And this can be one of the greatest contrasts we have with the world. Um, and the reason we don't worry or we're not anxious is because of what we know about our God. Our Father knows. He cares about us and he provides for us. He, he brings that all out in the second half of chapter 6. Um, so we are de devoted to Christ. Um, we are contrasted with the world in what we pursue, in what we focus on, in what we are devoted to, um, and in the peace and the contentment that shows up as the fruit of what we are knowing and trusting about God. So the, the result is to be a focused pursuit of God and the advance of his kingdom. Um, this is a verse, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus is saying your focus, um, your devotion is to be on seeking God, advancing his kingdom, following him in obedience, trusting him, to provide. God will provide. He knows you need these things. He cares for you, and he will provide what you need when you need it. Um, so as we follow Christ, we are to be involved, focused in the advance of his kingdom. And as we turn to um, chapter 7, starts with, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard for which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. When we focus on obedience, or when we think about obedience, it's very easy to start critiquing the lives of others. Um, he talks about how when we think about righteousness, we turn toward performance levels. Um, and it can be easy to, okay, I'm doing this. This other person, they aren't really doing it, so I must be pretty good if I'm up here and I'm doing this. 
Or we see somebody and they're like, man, they're really good. They're like all the way up here. Um, they're really righteous. They're really doing good. But it's, it's very easy to lift ourselves up by putting other people down. Um, it's easy to nitpick other people um, so that we can, in effect, feel more righteous. Um, and Jesus tells them, don't, don't judge. Don't be like this. However you judge people is the same standard um, that you're going to be judged by. It's the, I'm going to use the same measure on you that you use on others. Um, and he brings out the example of the splinter and the beam. Um, okay, you see this speck in your brother's eye, but what you, don't, what you don't see is the telephone pole that's sticking out of your own eye. So deal with that first, and then go take it out. Um, this is not just, okay, turn a blind eye to others. Don't, don't worry about their, what they're doing. Just focus on yourself. No, we're, we are called to come alongside and help our brothers and sisters out. Um, but what he's saying is, okay, have you inspected your own life? Have you considered your own life first in this area, in other areas? Are you able, is it appropriate for you to come alongside this person and be like, hey, I noticed this in your life. Is there something I could do to help you, help you with this? Maybe you didn't see this. Um, we should be holding ourselves to a higher standard than we are expecting from others. Um, so we're not necessarily not judging. We're not condemning others. When we see things in their life, we want to help them. We want to help them grow in godliness. Um, but we do that holding ourselves to a higher standard um, and also inspecting our own life, uh, making sure we are in the proper place to point something out. Um, because chap uh, verse 6 in chapter 7 says, don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs. So if we're not supposed to judge, then how do we know who the dogs are and who the pigs are? So there is supposed to be an element of discernment. Okay. Um, and most people would understand this verse to be, don't, don't continue giving the gospel to those who just turn around and trash it. Um, um, giving what is holy or what is precious, like pearls, to something to someone who will just trample it um, and then tear you to pieces. Um, so there is a discernment even in sharing the gospel for the advance of the kingdom that says, okay, this might not be the best time. Um, I think of the Proverbs, you know, answer a fool according to his folly, lest to be wise. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Um, and the last half of that verse escaped me. Can anyone help me? That's, that's pretty close, Joe, I think. <laughs> we'll go with it. Are there? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So there's a, there's a discernment. Okay, is this, is this helpful? Is this going to be profitable? Or is this something where I should consider, use some discernment and say, you know, maybe, maybe I don't share this with this person. Um, maybe I approach this a different way. Um, so there's... As we follow Christ, we are to be using discernment, helping others, um, 
holding ourselves to a higher standard um, than we are judging others or um, expecting of others. Um, And then we see in verse 7 that God's gifts are not based upon our performance. As we consider righteousness and obedience, it's very easy to also fall into the mindset like, okay, I'm doing good today. God must be pleased with me. Or I'm not doing good today. Um, God's probably not pleased with me. That's why all these things are happening to me. Um, God's trying to get my attention or something. He's not pleased with me. Um, Our performance does not affect our standing with God, um, like I said earlier. Um, And God's gifts to us are not based upon our performance. So ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Um, Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door is opened. Um, He talks about how when we have children, a son or a daughter who comes and asks us for a good gift, we give it to them. We don't give them... um, If they ask for bread, we don't give them a rock. Or if they ask for a fish, we don't give them a snake. Um, So he says, if you who are evil um, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We know that our Father is good, um, and as his children, he will give us good things because that is who he is, um, not because of our performance or our obedience. Um, He then puts what we could call a summary statement um, for this Sermon on the Mount, um, and it's what we call the golden rule. I think this is a mother's favorite thing to tell her children when there is strife or contention going on. If you don't want them to do it to you, don't do it to them, which is an accurate interpretation of this, but it's actually phrased in the positive. Um, whatever you want others to do for you, you also, or do also the same for them. Jesus is teaching his followers, if, think of how you want other people to treat you. Think of how you want other people to deal with you. If you could um, come up with the ideal person, I would say friend, but it could be um, ideal spouse, ideal friend, ideal coworker. Um, if you could come up with this ideal person and the character they had and how they interacted with you, what would that be like? What are you seeing in this person? How are they treating you? Okay, take that and then go be that to other people. This is how you should then live. Um, this golden rule um, in verse 12, therefore, whatever you do, you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophet. This, this um, book ends what Jesus um, said in verse 17. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Um, this is the law and the prophets. So we have really what... In between these bookends, what Jesus is showing as um, the way a follower of him should live out the law and the prophets. Um, And like I said before, this is positive action, not negative. 
There's a lot of things. The negative aspect of it, Jesus is like, hey, you guys had that one. I said, don't murder, and you were doing it. You weren't murdering. Um, but what were you not doing? Well, you weren't pursuing peace. Um, so you, you fulfilled the negative action. It's, it's easier to fulfill the negative action part of that. Um, as in, okay, well, if I don't want them to do that to me, then I won't do that to them. But Jesus takes it a step further with the positive. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Don't just not kill. Go pursue peace with them. Actively seek their peace. Seek their good. Go out of your way um, to do good to others. And then he closes, um, as any good speaker would, with an application. Two ways, two ways to go. And he, he gives us three pictures of these. Um, first is the narrow gate and the wide gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the, rot, and the road broad that leads to dest- destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few there be that find it. So he says to them, choose, choose what is the harder way. Fewer people will. Fewer people will go through this gate, will follow Christ. Um, but this is the only way that leads to life. Life is the end of that path. Um, he then says, be on guard against false prophets. Come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are ravening wolves. And then he tells how you will recognize them. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Every good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Then verse 20, so you'll recognize them by your fruit. Um, So the second of two ways, or second picture of two ways is bearing good fruit and bearing bad fruit. Um, We recognize others by their fruit. We ourselves are recognized by our fruit. Um, We live in a culture of good morals. Um, People live very morally out here, um, much more than some other places. It is a good place to live. Um, But good morals do not mean good fruit. Bad fruit can still come through when there are good morals. Um, You cannot fake fruit. Um, There is an an aroma, um, a scent, or a scent, as we talk about salt. Um, when you encounter someone, you cannot fake this good fruit in your life. Oh, for a little bit, maybe. There's a time you may be able to, but fruit is not something that you can fake. And this is why Jesus says, you know, you'll recognize them by your fruit. Be on guard against these people. Um, Verses 21 to 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who do the will of the Father in heaven. Um, And there will be people who said, Lord, we did all these good works in your name. And Jesus says to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. Um, And he actually calls them law breakers. So just doing these works, like we pointed out before, apart from this relationship with God, apart from God knowing us, us knowing God, does not make us good um, and does not gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. 
a righteousness without a relationship with God turns out to be worthless in the end. Um, so it's a relationship with God that overflows into bearing good fruit. And then the final picture, um, on two ways to go, is the picture of the two foundations. Those who hear and those who act and those who hear and do not act. Those who hear this, these words of Jesus and act upon them is like the one who goes and builds a foundation or builds a house upon a rock, something that does not move, something that will stand sturdy and secure. Those who hear the, the words of Jesus, um, again, he was speaking primarily to his disciples, but there was a large crowd. There was many in this crowd, crowd people um, who were wanting to follow, people who did not want to follow, people who were curious, people who just wanted to find something they could um, use against him. And he says, you know, those who hear these words of mine and don't act on them are like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. When the rain fell, the rivers rose, winds blew and pounded on that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So we too have the choice, okay, are we going to hear this and go and do it and be like the wise man who built his house on the rock, or are we going to hear it, go away, maybe try it for a little bit and decide, well, that's kind of hard. That's kind of like the narrow gate. The road's a little hard. I think I'll just build my house on the sand. Um, both here, but only one obeys. And when we obey, it does not mean an easy life. The rain still comes, the floods still rise, the wind still blows. Um, but that house does withstand. Um, it withstands, it has the approval of God. God says, you know, I do know you. Enter into the joy of your, of your, of your master. Um, so as we think about these, I don't want us to... Um, Again, this was just a surface cursory overview um, of this sermon of Jesus. And I don't want us to take it and be like, okay, I, now I have to make a checklist of, of these things for my life and see, okay, am I checking all these boxes? Again, these are rules that flow out of a relationship with God. Are we nurturing our own relationship with God? Um, do we have a private, a personal walk that is growing with God? And are we growing? Um, is there good fruit that flows out of this relationship? Um, those who follow Jesus are to have a character of righteousness that sets them apart from the world. Um, and I hope that is something that is true about us. Um, when you encounter another believer there is often something that you can recognize even before maybe you know. Um, I think of one a couple weeks ago. I met this lady to do a walkthrough of her yard, and we just walked around the backyard. I got the measurements I needed, and I left, and I was like, when I left, I was like, man, there's something that makes me wonder if she's a believer. We didn't spend that much time together. We didn't talk about anything other than what she wanted for the backyard. Um, but there was just something that made me wonder, 
is she a believer? And it turned out, um, Lindsay and I were there finishing up the project, um, and we were talking with her, and she, and she is. Um, and it was just something that I think, I'm like, okay, can people tell that about me if they were to spend a little bit of time with me? Or is it something where when they find that out, they're like, oh, I'd have never guessed. Um, hopefully, that's not, uh, that's, that wouldn't be their response. Um, but just hope this was an encouragement to you um, in pursuing righteousness um, that flows from a relationship with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know us, you care for us, you give us good things. Um, we thank you for Christ and his righteousness, and because of him that we can have a relationship with you. Um, and I pray that we would not base our relationship with, with you or your, your uh, approval of us based on our works, but I pray that good works would be a part of our life, that we would pursue them and diligently labor in obedience for you, um, that we would strive to be perfect as you are perfect and holy as you are holy, um, with the goal and the motivation that others would see you that we might have a chance to tell others about you um, and to share what you have done for us and are doing within us um, and can do for them. Uh, we pray for this service to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.